Um, so I'll just um, simplify it to start with. So let's pretend that this is a pair of spectacles with blue lenses, okay? And I put on my spectacles with blue lenses and look out of the window and everything that I see is coloured by blue. We know what this is like. We've all put on different coloured things, all looked through different coloured glass. So then I put down my blue spectacles and I pick up the yellow spectacles and I put on the yellow spectacles. And I'm looking out of the window through my yellow spectacles and everything is coloured by yellow. Right, so do I want to see the blue? I put on the blue. Do I want to see the yellow? I put on the yellow. Now, if one person is wearing the blue spectacles and the other person is wearing the yellow spectacles, they're both looking out of the window, the same window, the same view, but one is seeing blue, the other is seeing yellow. What's true? None of them are true. It's the spectacles. It's the spectacles. It's a lens through which perception occurs. So what the Buddha is talking about is that we need to be wise. And what I was talking about sila is we want to use the spectacles of sila. So we put on our sila spectacles and we look at the world through sila eyes. Okay. We don't want to put on the defilement spectacles and look at the world through ill will. Right? No. <laughs> that's that's unskillful means. That's wrong effort. It leads to the arising of bad states. So this is the practice. This is the practice. We need to learn, um, firstly, that we have spectacles on, right? And secondly, to choose wisely which spectacles we want. So how we see depends on the lens. It has nothing to do with a me or a truth. It's conditioned by the lens. And um, what we want to do is use the lens that is prescribed by the Buddha, okay? And really, we want to use the right view lens, Right, until we actually penetrate uh, and see um, reality as it is. So get rid of all the filters. Um, and this is when you go to the Bahya Sutta, when the Buddha gives him the teaching that leads to liberation, he says, if you want to practice for liberation, then practice to only see the seen in the seen, the heard in the heard, the cognized in the cognized, i.e. take off all lenses. You want it to be the unconditioned, asankata, right? You're free of these conceptual lenses. Um Okay, and what, okay, 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 sorry, 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 I'm really running out of time. The thing is that we are born with these spectacles on, okay, we, we actually come in, and this is it's also our karma, if you like, it's how we see the world, it's how we see ourselves, because how you perceive the world um is really an expression of how you see yourself. It's your perspective, your personality, your knowledge. 
It's the expression of who you take yourself to be and directly related to the perception. But remember, you're not in control of this, okay? And if you believe this, that's the delusion that the Buddha was talking about. I'm just going to skip forward. You didn't make or choose those spectacles, okay? Until you're in the training, until you've actually heard about it, you're not even aware the spectacles are there. That's the ordinary person from the sutta that I read at the very beginning, okay? They take what they see unquestioningly. So if they only see blue, they say it's blue, and they'll say blue, and if someone says no, it's yellow, absolute conflict. And it's only if you can ascertain that this is a conditioned thing, it's not you, and realise the role that perception has, can you move back from owning and grasping that view so tightly. So the Buddha talks about how views must not be grasped tightly, hold them lightly. It's a very important point. Okay, so anyway, this goes, we can go into dependent origination and look, really this stuff touches every part of the Dhamma, the Four Noble Truths, dependent origination, the Eightfold Path, um, everything. Um, and when I was looking at this, you know, I thought we had 30 hours, we might be able to get somewhere. <laughs> and I almost gave up. I almost ran away and didn't come on because I thought this is just crazily overambitious. Um, but anyway, uh, okay, I'll skip towards the end here. And I'm sure that things will come out in the questions when we can talk about much more practical things. Um, uh, so I just want to finish with um, with uh, saying don't, um, you know, this can all be quite challenging and disorienting, but it's not really that complicated, you know, which is why I use the simile of spectacles. Um, and uh, really I'd say there are two things to keep in mind when dealing with views, and one is actively choose the filter of sila and kindness for perception and views. The skillful means the right effort. Keep bringing yourself back to that. Do the best you can, and it'll develop over time. This is the training. This is absolutely the work. This is the training we have to do. So you try to make all choices consciously from the perspective of sealer, not hammered out from intellectual views. We can see the, the, the unreliability of that. So piece one of advice, wear your sealer specs. Keep your sealer specs on. <laughs> but we all need to operate with some views in our world, so the thing is to hold them lightly. They're not me. They're not myself. They're insubstantial, permanent and unreliable. I never have the whole picture. And it'll change over time. It will change. Guaranteed it'll change. And so act in such a way from sealer that will lead to no regrets. 
Right? If you do the dodgy actions in defense of your views, that can lead to regrets. Um, so, you know, think to yourself, if I got a piece of information turned my views upside down tomorrow, would I regret my actions and try to act in such a way that will lead to abiding in blamelessness and um, peace for your own happiness and the happiness of others? So the default position should always be kindness. Um, and I was going to ask you to actually reflect back now on that really harmless question that I asked at the beginning is, do you like the rain? <laughs> so just have a little think, where has that arisen? How did that come about? Do you hold it tightly or is it really loose? And that's an easy one because it's neutral. It's not that important. But if it's about climate change or COVID or Trump or the voice, things become a lot more difficult. But essentially, the underpinning principles, exactly the same. We have to apply the same um, antidote that I said. But where you seal the specs, you'll have no remorse and regret. And if you're really up against the wall and you're swamped and overwhelmed by all of these the last thing that I was going to say there was that if you're really swamped with your back up against the wall and you're overwhelmed by all the issues and the intellectual arguments and everything else and you don't know what to do, ask yourself one question, right? If this was my last act on this earth, what would I do? Really, ask yourself that. It puts everything into perspective. So there you go. That's uh, that's the talk for tonight. Okay, let me just, uh, oh, there we go. Uh, yes, the question was, if you're really swamped and overloaded with all of the intellectual things and you're focusing on all the debate and all of the intricacies of all the issues, you're focused on the issues sucked in, right, with the flow, you want to put your sealer specs on, you ask yourself one question. If this was my last act on earth, right, the decision that you're making, if this is my last act, what would I choose to do? It puts you right in touch back. It puts everything into perspective. All of the unimportant drivel and clutter is cleared away and you act from kindness. And um, when I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but keep thinking about the Karaniya Metta Sutta. And um, because this is quite an agitating subject, I thought it would be really nice to recite it again as a segue into the meditation. And I'm going to recite it again Right, slowly, and I want you to really, um, really think about all the words um, because they embody everything that I've been talking about. They really do, the whole lot. Um, and I, I'm not, I can't remember whether your text of the Metta Sutta in the end when it says, um, by not holding to false views or fixed views now there's a discrepancy fixed. in translations but um 
I'll say fixed views, right? And this relates directly to what we're talking about. So is that all right? We'll, we'll, we'll do the metta sutta once more and really take it into heart and then we'll move from there into the meditation. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, not busy with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be happy. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May all beings be free from suffering, and that includes all of us. I'm just setting my meditation timer or I'll never know when um, half an hour is up.
And please sit comfortably and take a few deep breaths. Ah. Breathing in peace. Breathing out all doubt, anxiety, and agitation. Breathing in peace. And breathing out all doubt, anxiety, and agitation. Breathing in peace. And breathing out all doubt, anxiety, and agitation. Now is the time for peace and rest and stillness. We're finished with the outside world. We're taking refuge inside. So let's make sure the body is comfortable. Starting with the feet, we can scan the body and any parts that are uncomfortable or tense, we just bathe them in metta. Calm and warm and beautiful. So starting with the feet, Hello, feet. Thank you. Thank you. Moving up the legs, the calves, the knees. Let them be relaxed and at ease. Moving up the thighs. Relax those big muscles. Thank you, thighs. You've been working so hard. It's time for a rest. It's finished now. Moving on to hips and the lower back. Straighten it, make sure it's comfortable so that it can rest, rest in peace. And going up the back, all the vertebrae, all the way, each one, thank you, thank you. and around the front to the organs. Each one up to the diaphragm and the lungs. Thank you for every breath. Thank you. 
rest now. Going up the spine to the neck and the shoulders. If anything needs some extra metta, don't be stingy, lavish it. And the arms, the hands. Thank you. Back up to the neck, to the skull, to the scalp. Relax. Relax. Down the face, relaxing all the muscles. And your eyes, and cheeks, and mouth, and chin. Relax. The eyes are closed. They're finished with sights. No more. No more senses. Close down for a little while into the mind, the mind that is so active. This is your time for peace. Relax. Finished with the outside world. We're in our inner refuge. If you find your mind still wants to think, you can direct it skillfully. Direct it to remember all the acts of kindness you've done. Sila Musati. And bask in the joy, the purity and the blamelessness, the joy of having acted out of kindness. And if that runs out, you can direct your mind to all of the acts of kindness you've received and how wonderful that is. And if that runs out, you can direct your mind to all the acts of kindness you've heard of or know about that others have done or received. And let the mind be at ease, content, peaceful. I'm going to be quiet now. And I'll ring the gong three times at the end of the meditation. Be at ease.
relax, and enjoy.
Welcome back. I hope everyone's feeling a bit relaxed. Please, any questions or comments? <laughs> yes, I, I'd like to support, agree with the comments Chris made. And I have to say, you've rattled my cage today. <laughs> you, you, yeah, pressed on a big button here. Um, and it's just, I can't, even though I can see that I'm clinging to this view, you know, this is the right view and the only view that anybody's allowed to hold. I can see my attachment to this, and yet I'm struggling to let go of it. I just, my mind is going down all over the place, finding reasons why I may maintain this view, even though it's causing me a lot of suffering. Uh, I seem to be unable to prize my ego or identification away from it. What to do? <laughs> Perhaps you're not an arahant yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Deep things. Hmm. For existence, the desire for non-existence, ignorance and views. Right? So it's right up there with those intractable things. So it is the very pinnacle of practice. And all I can recommend is all of the contemplations. So for found the contemplation mm. all of the hard work. You just it's it's like regrinding the lenses that we're looking through, right? And you just have to do it a little step at a time and gradually, gradually you recondition in line with how the Buddha taught. I really, it's it's like a recipe, you know. Mm. I think um, you just have to follow it. Yeah. Sorry, there's no, no magic. No, no magic, no magic. It's hard work. <laughs> yes. But it's Thank not you. you, as you know. It's not you and it's not yours. You're conditioned that way and you can't do it by willpower. It's only by gradually reconditioning your perception. So don't feel that you're doing something wrong. It's just that you have to go through the steps. Yes. Yeah. I, we do have a question in the chat, Viveka. Could I read it for you? Yes, please. I would like to ask Viveka about how do we reprogram negative views about this world? Uh, as Buddha said, the world is suffering, or reprogram negative views on many things so it will have more positive views? Well, it's much like what I was saying to Gita. It's um, step by step, and um, you can't do it by willpower, you know, you because it's not me and mine, I actually... It's, 
not under my control. And this is one of the ways that it's demonstrated to us because if we could, if it was me and mine, then I'd be able to control and say, well, I want this view or I want that view, but we can't. And so that just strengthens um, the evidence that this is a conditioned process. It's a dependently arisen process and that we have to... We have to turn the tables on that and not let it be driven by the defilements. We let it be driven by wisdom and we have to recondition it in turn. And um, this just happens step by step. There's the simile that the Buddha used about um, transformation. And I, I often talk about how these things are a transformative process and the transformation of perception itself and he talks about that you go from milk to curds to butter to ghee, right? So you're transforming from one to the other. And when you're milk, you can't perceive like curds perceive, right? And when you're curds, you can't perceive like butter. When you're a tadpole, you can't perceive like a frog, right? And so you actually have to just go through those steps, be kind to yourself, keep doing the work step by step. You'll see changes over time. Um, so it's gradual training and it's just a little step by little step. That's all. Thank you, Baker. And also uh, Sandra has left a comment that she'd like me to read for you. Can you please tell Viveka that I loved her talk and wished I could stay? Oh, thank you, Sandra. <laughs> she was partly the inspiration. She was a large part of the inspiration for it. <laughs> John Cook, would you like to unmute? Thanks, Viveka, for the uh, excellent uh, talk. Um, I, I don't know, it's more question or observation, but... Um, in terms of, um, you said it's a slow process of, um, you know, developing um, all these skillful sets. My, my, does, does, obviously Sila is the, is the foundation, but is meditation sort of that gateway where the more one meditates, the more one sees, sees, you know, that, 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 that journey, that process, sees the eightfold path unfold. Um, I, I get the impression that you know I'm I'm a fairly new at this in terms of the journey. So, but I I you know as I started the meditation practice, um, there was more yearning to to learn more, and that led me into the Dharma. Um, and I get a lot of comfort and peace. I I obviously like Gita, you know. There is still all the defilements, the delusions, but I feel that you at least notice them. It's it's a little clearer, and you know your mistakes than than the ignorance. Is that is that a correct way of you know that you know sitting and and practicing and meditation is probably better than than just like you said using the intellect to learn the Dharma. Absolutely, absolutely. And meditation is also really important because um, 
it's how you make cracks in that delusion, right? It's because um, you get different data points because you're not swept up. And if you get into the deeper meditations, you actually have a different view of reality. And so you you are not, uh, you can see that there's an alternative, right? So you're getting a crack in the eggshell, right? And if you get a crack in the eggshell, right, you know, the, the simile of the chick breaking out of the shell, until there's a crack in the eggshell, it's invisible, right? So meditation is uh, the gateway to that, absolutely. Good luck with your practice. Thank you, Viveka. Um, I'd just like to say something. Um, Viveka, I wore this tonight for you. It's a hundred-year-old heirloom Parvian from Laos that um, my neighbor gave me. Um, I wore it for respect for your teachings this evening. So thank you, Viveka. Thank you. Well, that's so kind. That's so nice. Thank you so much. Uh, Nikki, would you like to unmute? Oh, what can you hear me? I've got my headphones in. And hear you perfectly oh, well. Fabulous. But thank you. Thank you, Viveka, for your talk and your meditation. Um, I was really tired when I came out of it. Um, I, I wanted to ask you what you thought. So I, I understand what you say about the glasses. In fact, I've used similar type of um, analogy. Um, when, so if I describe, if I had my glasses down like that and something's happening with my son, my adult son, and we get into a, your view, my view, and then I somehow place these glasses on and see things, I think, through a history of, of my experience that I've been frightened. So it could be a trauma response and then it gets really big. And now, when you talk about the crack, I think the crack in the eggshell is, I kind of know it's happening now. Although I can't stop it. I have a sense of, this does, I don't think this is what's happening, <laughs> sort of thing. But I, I still, and then when I'm outside of that and I calm down, I see it more clearly. But when I'm in it, the two views, I just think he's bad. And I just think everyone's bad in that moment. And I, then I say things I can't, that I, that I feel bad, that, you know, I regret some of the things I say. Um, and it takes me, it could take me hours to get out of that, so. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think that's, um, that's the training. And, um, you know, as you keep doing it, uh, the lag time between being in it and realising you're in it will shrink and it'll come to such a point that you see it in real time and then you can anticipate it. And it's exactly like in that first sutta that I read out. That's the difference between the ordinary person being in training when you know that something's going on and you put in the... You, the you know, you remediate it and then no longer being um, subject to it. So it's exactly the right direction and well done and keep going. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Vika. 
And thank you to Nikki. Uh, Shirley, would you like to unmute? Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Viveka. Um, very pertinent to me today, this uh, conversation. Um, I'm involved in a little philosophy group and we get together every couple of months and discuss. It's not Buddhist. It's um, just, you know, just someone will pose a question and we get together and six of us. And one person in the group often throws in these sort of gross generalisations, usually with some racist in in <laughs> undertones or not even undertones, fully <laughs> fully formed. Um, and um, how do you react? I mean, do we call out racism? You know, in polite conversation, it's sometimes difficult. You don't want to upset everybody in the group. And... Um, I did make a sort of a couple of comments to do in the group, and but nothing nasty or anything. Um, but I've been ruminating on it all since this morning, and um, and being a bit angry with this person uh, who makes these comments. As a general rule, she'll sneak one in every time, and um, but and I was, you know, as you were saying things like choosing the filter of compassion, I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see it, how I could do that, you know. Um, but I think I got it in the end because um, I'm not sure if I can apply it all the time. But when I look back thinking about this woman today, I saw her face and I thought how sad she looked really expressing these views. You know, they're not nice views to hold, they're sort of negative and racist and I sort of, yeah, I must admit I felt some compassion for her. I'm glad I don't hold those views instead of having to be angry with her and, you know, tell her what she should think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you I, you helped me to feel some compassion for her. So um, thank you for that. Well, that's great. That's great. It's always challenging with those types of things, but when we see that our own views are formed in such a way, you know, they're unreliable and impermanent and not self, so are the other person's views. So they will also change and modify and do different things. So, you know, it, it, everybody is in the same boat. And if somebody's views are actually harming them, you know, you can have compassion for them as well. Thank you. And thank you, Shirley, and thank you, Viveka. Is it, would anybody else like to unmute and ask a question or make a comment? All right, uh, Viveka, um, I think we've reached the magic time of uh, saying goodbye, unfortunately. Uh, thank you very much for cutting to the heart of things with kindness and compassion this evening, and also with humour. Uh, I would like to ask, would you be happy to leave us with a blessing? Or Yep, thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much for inviting me. It's been really nice to get to know you and to be here in real time with you. Um, and um, may the merits of all of our practice uh, be for the benefit of all beings in all realms and all of the lower beings and those suffering. And uh, may we benefit from our practice 
Um, may you all be happy and well, peaceful, calm, and harmless. And I, I, I just see that Nikki's asked a question what the sutta at the beginning was. It's Majjhima Nikaya number one, the Mula Pariyaya Sutta, the root of all things, MN1. Okay. Good night. Right. Good, night. Good, night. Good, night. Good night. Good night. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank you